Welcome to episode 7 of Juiced Balls, the self-styled only baseball fantasy podcast. I'm your host, Brad Johnson, and we're joined this week by the illustrious Derek Carty of Roto-Grinders. Hello, Derek. Hey, thanks for having me on, Brad. Thanks for coming. I'm glad to have you. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, this should be fun. So, so what do you consider yourself best known for? Uh, I think I'm probably best known for for a few things. Um, you know, I do the, the bat projection system for baseball. I do the blitz projection system for NFL. You know, you can find the bat at Fangraphs. Um, I think I'm known as a DFS guy. I think I'm known as the guy on Twitter that um, has really strong statistical takes and isn't afraid to, to tackle all the, the anti-math trolls that come at him. Um, I think I'm known for having fantastic hair. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that probably covers it. Well, 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 thanks again for coming on the show. Uh, this week we're going to jump straight into the fire. So Derek, are you ready for Juiced Balls? Let's do this. I'm uh I'm very curious to see how this goes. <laughs> <laughs> great, great. Uh, so here's how this works. I, I ask a series of scenario-based questions, and we always start with apocalypse. Uh, this time it's a bit of a personal apocalypse. Uh, so here's the scenario. You've just fallen asleep in your bed. You find yourself in a vivid dream. A bat, uh, the, the mammal kind, the, the ones that fly, uh, is asking you to explain why you are so wrong about Fernando Tatis Jr. How do you defend yourself? Oh, geez, Fernando Tatis. Um, <laughs> yeah, so obviously last year the bat wasn't super high on Tatis coming into the year. No projection system was, honestly. Right. Um, I was pretty vocal about it on Twitter. People were really upset. And then about midway through the year when Tatis was doing so well, I got a lot of flack from Padres Twitter. Um, so uh, I don't think that, that the process was necessarily wrong for Tatis, though. You know, like you have to you have to realize that ahead of time, we don't know when when prospects are going to be great, when they're going to be mediocre and when they're going to be complete busts. And so you have to realize that a projection is kind of weighing all three of those different outcomes for every single player based on, you know, his minor league track record. And there are things that we don't know, um, you know, about minor league players. We don't have as granular data at the minor league level. But really, it just comes down to, to variance. Like people will say, well, Tatis was, you know, like a, an all-world prospect. Like how did you not know that he was just going to come up and, and be great? One, because he wasn't great in the minors, so why would you expect him all of a sudden to be great in the majors? Two, because we've seen plenty of these prospects that everyone, you know, prospect guys, everyone says is going to be fantastic, and they come up and in their first year they struggle because Major League Baseball is freaking hard. Like you see Byron Buxton, you see That's Juan exactly Moncada. I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, Juan Moncada, uh, Dansby Swanson, you know, like Lucas Giolito as a pitcher. Like there's so many examples. Even Vlad Guerrero Jr. last year was considered by most people, almost everybody, a better prospect than Tatis. Even the projections loved Vlad. You know, Seymour right. thought he was like a top 10 hitter in baseball. And he comes up and he was okay. But he was a disappointment. Like he was was well under expectations because sometimes prospects do that. And so you have to bake that into any projection for a guy like Tatis. And then things were made infinitely worse because Tatis just far overperformed even, you know, what he should have done. Like you look at his peripherals and his stat cast numbers. I think his ex-woba, you know, via stat cast was like 330 or 340. 
but he had like a 400 BABIP and his Wobo was close to 400. And, and so people were like, oh man, this guy's a stud. But like, there is definitely some regression in store for Tatis just based on that alone. Yeah, I, I completely agree. It's a situation. Uh, I was with you the whole way uh, from, from start to finish on that. Uh, you, you can't really expect a player to be Fernando Tatis, especially when you're doing it from a projections perspective. And you, know, you, you could scout him all you want and come away thinking he's a great player, but still you, you got guys, like you mentioned, Buxton and Moncada, and they looked similar in ways uh, when they're coming up through the system and you know they struggled plenty uh, especially guys with like such high whiff rates I'm always a little wary of uh, right his plate discipline in the minors was terrible like like there was definitely reason to have concern about him coming up to the majors and getting exposed all right well well back to to your dream I, I think your your little bat friend is convinced but now a baseball bat has rolled to your feet and it's shattered into a thousand p- tiny pieces uh, another bat rolls and shatters and a bunch of bats fly into the room and start mocking you with their screeches uh, some are winged baseball bats and these two shatter uh, spraying shards everywhere uh, with darning dawning horror you help you begin to understand the metaphor uh, the bat your projection system is broken you awaken in a cold sweat and run to your computer. Uh, sure enough, Fernando Tatis Jr. is projected to be the best player in baseball. Something is wrong. Uh, please explain how you go about debugging your projection system. Oh, geez. Um, I mean, clearly, if that's the case, then then I've either transported potentially a few years into the future or the bat is just completely broken. And I probably just need to throw it out and start over because there's no way Fernando Tatis is the best player in baseball or anywhere close to it. Um, I don't know. Is this a serious question? Like if that was actually a thing that the bat was spitting out, I I don't even know what I would do to debug it. Like clearly something is very wrong. Like, you know, it's just using last year's stats and it's not incorporating any regression and it's forgotten that Mike Trout and Christian Yelich and a bunch of other players exist entirely because I don't see any possible way that it could get there. Like, it's got to just be something really... I'm I'm going to interrupt you for a second here, Derek. Uh, A couple bats have landed on your shoulders and and they're mocking you, so you realize you're still dreaming. Uh, So with a sense of relief, you you pinch yourself and uh, we're going to roll right into scenario two. You awaken to find a severed horse head in your bed. Upon further examination... You mercifully discover it's a prop head. Uh, you also find a note with it. It says, headline, beating a dead horse. An ill fate will befall you unless you only use batter versus pitcher data to win a DFS contest. Uh, how would you go about doing this? And to be clear, you can only see BVP data uh, to select your pitchers and hitters. So there's no workarounds. It's all you're getting to work with. I mean, this really is an apocalypse. Like, I'm being forced to, to talk about Fernando Tatis Jr. I'm being forced to actually use BVP data. This is this is pretty horrific. Um, how would I do this? Honestly, what I think I would do – actually, first, a question. So do I see names next to the BVP data, or is it just stat lines? Yeah, you, you got all the names. Like, you can see so-and-so's – good against Madison Bumgarner, vice versa, Enrique Hernandez, uh, for example. Uh, I, I have some ideas about this. If you're, you're, you're spinning your wheels, might catch, uh, but I'll let, I you, think, I'll let you think about it, it first. I think the best way to do it is, I guess, you know, if I have to use BVP data, I guess I 
pull the pool of players that that have good BVP. And then from there, I just pick the actual best players. Like, you know, if Mike Trout has good BVP, which he will against most pitchers, I'm just going to take Mike Trout because the BVP part of it doesn't matter. The being a good hitter part of it uh, does matter very much so. So I would probably do that. Or I could just try to take a stance with this. I could be like, you know what? Screw BVP. BVB is terrible. Give me the pool of guys that I can pick from here. And I'm just going to pick them randomly. And then I'm going to tweet about how terrible it is that someone put a horse head in my bed and is forcing me to select guys with only BVP. And he can suck it. And BVP truthers can suck it. And this would kind of be a big middle finger to both of them. If I just kind of said, screw it, I'm just going to pick randomly. (laughs) Uh, There can't actually be that many BVP truthers left, right? (laughs) There's more than you think. Um, I mean, people are definitely coming around and getting smarter, but there are still a lot of people out there that are doing some, some pretty bad stuff. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I do encounter a few people who have kind of weird takes, but I think I'm pretty isolated. Uh, my, my Roto World stuff doesn't have comments, and my Fangraphs stuff has a Fangraphs crowd. <laughs> so, and- yeah, I can't imagine a lot of Fangraphs people are, are like, oh, BVP, but uh, when you get into like the masses on Twitter, they're, they're into some, some really just illogical stuff. My, my thought was to go after it by trying to collect you know, what samples you can. Uh, so looking for guys who have especially large samples. Uh, that tells you they're veterans who have been around a long time, and that's self-selecting for skill. Uh, so that, that was my thought as to how to try to tackle this particular problem. Yeah, I think that's probably a viable, a viable way. Um, but the key takeaway for readers is that BVP is useless, and we're we're coming up with workarounds for having to use it here. Yeah, th- this is. I, I brought this one up because uh, I, I tend to bring it up whenever I see it because it's just it, it cracks me up, and it, it's just something we can both get a little chuckle about. Uh, all the all those silly noobs out there trying to make things work with broken data. It's really like they're doing themselves such a disservice. And there's so many, I mean, this is one of the big ones, but there's so many uh, just kind of obvious mistakes that people are still making. On that topic, I wonder if StatCast data could be a a new BVP in a sense. Obviously, there's a lot of signal in StatCast, but there's also a lot of things we don't know about it and we, we still try to use it. And so I wonder if there could be some traps that people will fall into this year. Absolutely. This is something I've been talking about, I feel like, a lot lately. Um, like people, they try to almost frame this as like, you know, the, the old stuff that we used to use is, is stats. And StatCast is skills. And you always want to use skills instead of stats because skills tell us exactly who a player is. And so they'll look at the StatCast data and they'll look at the, the exit velocity or the launch angle or the, you know, whatever and they're like, these are the player's skills. And so I can believe this 100%. And this is who the player is. And this guy raised his launch angle this year. And his exit velocity was higher. And he had more barrels. And so he's a great player now. And that's just not how it works. Like These stats are only marginally more stable than basic stuff like home run rate or strikeout rate or walk rate. Like It's really not this entirely new frontier. You know, These things are great and they're useful and we should use them. But I think people are definitely putting too much emphasis on them without realizing how much variance is actually in them. Like you think about launch angle, all launch angle is, 
is basically an objective version of, of, of batted ball profile that we've had for 15 years. It's fly ball rate and ground ball rate put into one number that doesn't have, you know, the human scorer bias. So it's a little more stable, but it is basically the same thing that we have had for 15 years. And everyone's like now like going, losing their minds over it. Like, Oh man, look at this data that we have. And again, I'm not trying to like trash Statcast data. I think it's very cool and useful, but like you said, people are definitely falling into traps with it because it's new and shiny. I find that it complements the old data very well. Uh, if you kind of give it a smell, I'll say, and uh, try to compare it back to what you're seeing. Uh, I'll, I'll give an example. Uh, I, I've always been skeptical of players with what I'll call too high ground ball rates and uh, you know, high hard contact rates. And some of them work out really well. Uh, Nick Castellanos, uh, J.D. Davis is a more recent example. And you know, some of them really don't work out. Uh, but StatCast in particular has given me some insight into identifying which of these players are actually hitting the ball hard, actually hitting at like a nice steady launch angle. They have a tight launch angle rather than a loose one that's producing a lot of flies and easy outs. Uh, so I find that I still use the old stats first, and then I reference the StatCast data to better understand the old stats. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, I do think it needs to be a combination. I think the old stats have way more value than, than some people are are still believing that they have. Well, they're battle-tested, too, so we understand exactly right. how to use them. Exactly. And even the StatCast stuff, like people – a lot of times it seems like we'll only focus on the most recent version of it without realizing that, you know, if we're trying to predict what a player is going to do in the future, even with StatCast data, we still want to use historical data. We want to use what the guy did last year also and probably the year before that as part of, you know, our projection. All right. Well, I think we survived this apocalypse and we even reached into the future a little bit to, to delve into StatCast. Uh, so let's step back a minute and decompress. Uh, you just survived those two scenarios. Uh, so I, I wanted to mention one thing, some ephemera, I guess. Uh, Derek and I used to work together at the Hardball Times way back before it was affiliated with Fangraphs. And I think you were a teenager back then, right? Yeah, I think my first year I was 19. So I've been doing this a while and I was pretty young when I started. <laughs> Uh, so how'd you get involved with THT in particular? THT was my, my first real job in the industry. You know, I, uh, I just read Moneyball for the first time and I was obsessed with it because it was combining baseball and math and it was really cool. And I had a whole bunch of ideas um, and I was kind of crunching numbers and stuff like that. And so I created like a little blogger blog at the time. Um, and I was just kind of posting my thoughts about it, you know, about different stuff every day, um, fantasy baseball related stuff. And then the hardball times came to me and they were like, Hey, you know, we've been reading your stuff. We think it's really cool. We want to start a fantasy section because at the time they didn't have one. It was just, you know, strictly like real world baseball. They're like, we want you to run our fantasy section for us. And they were my favorite site at the time. So it was just a no brainer. I was like, yeah, let's do this. So kind of started the fantasy section, brought on, you know, some really smart people that, have gone on to do some really cool things, you know, yourself included. And, uh, and it just kind of really, you know, started from there. Nice. Nice. Uh, yeah. D Dave Studeman, the, the guy who used to run it was, uh, he was a really good advocate for bringing in people who 
that we're just starting to try to get established and uh, Absolutely. giving them a good yeah, platform. He's a great guy. A big reason, you know, I am where I am today was because of him. Uh, so you, you've been playing DFS for uh, pretty much as long as it's been around, right? Pretty much, yeah. Do, do you remember when your best season was? Um, my best MLB season was uh, the first year that, that I had the bat up and running, which was 2015, I think. Okay. And, and that year was fantastic. You know, I, I started very small. You know, I started with like a, I think like a $500 bankroll. And I think I finished the year close to $10,000, which is just an ROI that is absolutely insane. And yeah, you would never nice. be able to replicate today. Um, and that was just cash games. That wasn't even GPPs. Like you'd never be able to do that playing cash games today because it has gotten more difficult. But uh, I mean, that season was fantastic. And then I do NFL now. When I wasn't playing NFL back then, I'm sure it would have been even better back then. But NFL every year has been fantastic. But this year in particular was awesome. Like the Blitz Optimal lineups cashed, I think, close to 75% of the weeks. Like it was just dominating. One one week, you know, my cash lineup finished 20th in the Millie Maker. You know, subscribers were, you know, making live finals and stuff like that with with just crazy off the board picks that no one would ever think to play. Like Jeff Driscoll one week, the, the first week he was a starter, the blitz was all over him. And, uh, and someone made like a live final using him because no one was going to play him and he did fantastic. And it was just this, this football season was very good. And, and baseball a few years ago was, was just amazing. Did you have any go-to guys for that 2015 season or like a specific strategy? Not really. I mean, I guess the strategy at the time, which has become much more widespread, was that back then touts in cash games were were basically like, you have to play safe players. You can't play risky players. Okay, yeah, I remember you, that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was just like, screw that. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Um, just play the best players. Do that instead, and you'll do really, really well. And so when you're playing the best players and everyone else is playing suboptimal, you know, Nick Markakis type players because they're safer or whatever, um, you're just going to crush them because they're making clearly inferior plays. And nowadays that's not as much of a thing anymore. There are still definitely people who will tell you to play safe in cash games. And I will still tell you not to do that. Just play the best players. You know, I have no problem playing Joey Gallo in a cash game and, you know, winding up with either zero or 20 points because, on the whole, he's the better player. And over the course of the season, that kind of variance is going to even out and you're going to win more than you lose playing better players. Um, and you'll see a lot more people willing to make those plays now. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, so what what brought you to create your projection systems? Um, really, I mean... It, yeah, like I started creating the bat a long time ago, over over 10 years ago now, before DFS was even a thing. Like I started developing it just because I wanted to make a projection system, because I wanted to, uh, you know, have an edge in my fantasy leagues because I thought I could do something really cool with it because I was learning a lot of really cool things from the people that I was working with at, at Hardball Times, at Baseball Prospectus. Um, a lot of those guys are, are making, you know, decisions for clubs now, which is really cool. Um and so, yeah, I, I just wanted to build it for that. And then once DFS came along, I was like, you know, I have this system that's almost done. I can really tailor it for DFS. And there's no one out here. Nobody was doing anything like that at the time. Um, and so uh, and so it just seemed like a really good fit, um, especially because I, you know, I was really getting into DFS and it was uh, such a fun game. 
Cool. And, and so you said that can be found on Fangraphs, but you can also get a subscri subscriber version on Roto-Grinders, right? Right. So so if you're a season-long player, the season-long projections are at Fangraphs, and that's free. Um, and then the DFS version is by subscription over at Roto-Grinders. And, and also, I have been adding a lot of... Uh, a lot of additional tools for season-long players to to that version as well. Like the, the middle of last year, I added um, weekly projections. So so the bat will look at you know the upcoming matchups for you know for the coming week. You know what park the player is playing in, what the weather forecast is like, what the probable pitchers are. Um, you know if we have umpire data for the first couple of days of the week, all that kind of stuff will go into the projection that will project the player's weekly line based on all the different games that he's going to be in. And then if you're in like an NFBC league where you have midweek transactions, like it'll do, you know, Monday to Thursday and Friday to Sunday projections and stuff like that. Yeah, that's a that's a clever addition. Uh, definitely opens up that additional market for the this, the the actual product, uh, the paid version. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people have, uh, you know, they've given a lot of good feedback on it. Um, it was actually, I think, Rob Silver's idea in the first place. He's like, you should, you should do this. Like, people would really want to see this. People love the bat. You know, there aren't a lot of people doing projections over this time span. Like, you should do it, and it's going to be really cool. And so I did it, and, and it's been well-received so far. Great. Uh, are, are you ready to move on to the third scenario? Oh, let's do it. So, so you're one of those blasphemers. Uh, you mentioned you have the blitz. Uh, so you also cover football. Uh, yeah. And, and and you project it. So uh, yeah. how, how does one go about projecting football players? Because it's not immediately obvious to me. Right. So in some ways, it's similar to baseball. Like I was able to take a lot of the code from the bat and and use it, you know, for the blitz. You know, because at the core, you do have you do have stats for football players that you care about. You know, a quarterback's completion percentage, you know, his yards per completion, his, his air yards, his sack percentage, his interception percentage, all that kind of stuff are numbers and data that we have information for. And we can measure it the same as we can for, for baseball. We can tell how much variance is in it, how much we need to regress the stats, you know, how players age, you know, in various different uh, statistical categories. Um, and, and the same as baseball, where a big part of the bat is evaluating context. You know, for baseball, it's umpires and and weather and opposing defense and opposing pitchers and bullpens and all that kind of stuff. For football, you know, weather is a big deal. Wind is a huge deal in football. You know, playing indoors versus outdoors is, is a big deal. Um and then there's different, you know, game situations that are kind of unique to football, you know, where the, you know, what kind of field position, um, you know, the player has is going to impact, you know, his stats, you know, the down, the distance, the, um, you know, the, the um, like the game situation itself, you know, if it's close and late, you know, or if they're down late, they're going to be throwing more and, you know, the defense is going to be expecting it. So they're going to be completing fewer of those passes and like all kinds of stuff like that um, goes into it. But like, it's all very, it's all very similar. The only, I think the big difference with, with NFL is that there does have to be a manual component of it because you have to figure out who the quarterback is going to be throwing the football to, you know, if, uh, you know, if Sterling Shepard and, and Evan Engram are hurt this week, who is Daniel Jones going to be throwing the football to? And there's no, 
you know, objective way of figuring that out. You do need to kind of understand the teams and the schemes and the matchups and all that and, and figure out who's going to be getting the ball more because, you know, Shepard is out or because Ingram's out or whoever. Okay. Uh, you, you went beyond what I could follow even. I, I've, I've dropped out of paying attention to football. <laughs> but I'm, I'm sure many of my, my listeners will have been uh, very intrigued by that. Uh, so, so here's the scenario. I, I, I wanted to, and it's a little bit more of a brainstorming session than a true scenario, but I want to try to combine football with baseball in the grand tradition of basketball. Uh, so I have one incomplete idea to, to kind of throw out there, but I'll let you go first and see where we can get with it. God, basketball was, was such a great movie. As a kid, like, I loved that. I, I haven't seen it in a while. I wonder if I go back and it's terrible, but it might just still be awesome and hold up. Um, I, I watched it, it recently. It's, it's not bad. It, 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 it yeah, probably so, is more geared toward an adolescent frame of mind, uh, <laughs> I'm but sure it, it, it still works. Okay, well, that's good to know. Um, geez, I have no idea. You said you have an incomplete idea. What do you? What is your thoughts with this? So, my my first thought is to replace field goals with a a batted ball scenario. So you'll have to switch to a round ball uh, that gets hiked to a hitter who then tries to hit it through the uprights, uh, and then the defense probably is trying to swat the ball down rather than tackle the the hitter and get whapped in the head with a bat. Uh, but that's that's pretty much all I've come up with so far. Uh, the the other ideas of aren't really in a specific direction. It's just how do we you know mess with the field? Do we have mounds? Do we have bases? Uh, those kind of questions. Yeah, it's uh, I feel like it's two games that are are somewhat difficult to combine especially trying to combine the physicality of football with the, you know, like the cerebral aspect of, of baseball. And I feel like if you have mounds and bases and stuff and, and people are going like full out and trying to tackle, like people are going to trip and there's a lot of logistics to consider, I think. Yeah. So, so do, would we want the field to more resemble a baseball diamond or a football field? I guess how are first how are points being scored? It, I guess it sounds like you're keeping more of the football aspect of it, where we're trying to get into an end zone kind of thing. Or yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I feel like maybe you try to score a run, and then you also get a chance at an extra point. Uh, so it's a little bit of an end zone plus field goal combination. I gave myself a tough scenario here. <laughs> yeah. I'm not coming up with anything that I love with this. I could imagine playing something on like a massively large field uh, would not be ideal for spectator sports. I don't think, but you, your bases are basically uh, like I don't know, say say thirty three year thirty three yards apart, and you gotta go from one area of the field to the next to the next and around, and in kind of like the traditional baseball sense, uh, and you get your your big point score when you finally score the run, and maybe that's even the end of the game. Like the field's big enough where 
<laughs> just paddling back and forth until you know someone finally scores that run. <laughs> yeah, I could see that working. All right, well, I think we're stumped. So let's let's say we're done with this one for now. We'll put a pin in it, and uh, maybe some things will shake loose. Maybe some commenters will have some ideas, and I can revisit it with a future guest. I mean, that that works for me. I'm, I'm not coming up with anything great here. The, this next topic should be uh, a little more up your alley. Uh, when I asked for your personal details, uh, you mentioned liking The Legend of Zelda and Disney. Uh, so what I want you to do is form a major league starting lineup out of Zelda and Disney characters. Okay, so this is... It's like positions and lineup role, I'll say. All right, so this is interesting because obviously these are fictional characters, and so they have unique characteristics that human beings that play baseball do not have and probably unique ways to take advantage of, of the rules of baseball. So Correct. my first thought is that I want a bunch of a bunch of characters that are really small and will have a tiny strike zone and will get walked and we'll just walk around the bases the entire game. So I want like the mice from Cinderella or the mice from the rescuers or, or like the little, uh, the little depu guys from, uh, from Zelda or like, like tiny people. But then obviously that creates an issue in the field because how are mice going to catch a baseball? They, they might actually just die if, it, if a baseball lands on them. <laughs> yes. Um, so I think Maybe the we way say mice can't play. <laughs> yeah. So I think the way around that is to get somebody really, really fast. Like the, the kid from the Incredibles, Dash, I think his name is. You get him and you put him in the field with all these mice and all these creatures and he'll just catch everything because he's super fast and it doesn't matter. So you only need one fielder. And then the rest of your team is just going to get walked every single time and score almost in perpetuity, um, which I think is pretty awesome. And then you need a pitcher. And, 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 uh, and a viable catcher, too. Let's not forget that. Yeah, a viable catcher. Mice can't catch. So I think, I think in terms of pitcher, there's two ways to go. You can either get someone like who you think will actually be a really good pitcher, or you can trust that Dash is just going to catch everything anyway, and you can engage in some psychological warfare. And I think that's the way I want to go because I think it'd be more fun. And I think Tingle from Zelda is going to be my pitcher because Tingle is the creepiest dude alive. Like, he is so freaking creepy. People are going to step up and look at him, and they're not even going to know what to do. They're just going to be so creeped out. They're going to be distracted. And uh, that's what I want. And then I want all of his little creepy little henchmen ankle and knuckle and, and david jr who they're, they're basically just like his slaves they're the bat boys and they're creepy as shit too and they're going to be delivering the bats and the balls so that the batters are just perpetually bombarded by just this creepiness and i think that's the way i want to do this um as far as catcher goes i want somebody who's going to be a fantastic pitch framer, especially because Tingle is not a very good pitcher, I'm sure. Um, and so I think we need somebody with mind control powers, like like Ka the snake from the Jungle Book, or like one of the 
I don't know, one of the, the genie or like uh, one of the sorceresses or like something like that as the catcher. And you do some mind control on the umpire and you get him to call balls and strikes however you want. And then you're just in really good shape. I, I think that's my team. Yeah, the, the genie is a good idea. That's definitely a, a, a winner right there. I mean, uh, the magic probably helps a lot, I would think. So uh, that's probably a good way to go. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So if you couldn't use mice for the sabermetric walk approach, how would you go about it? Still, still the same background and then just kind of more human form filling pieces. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, if, if you want me to not be able to use mice and use like human form people, um, obviously you want like, I don't know, in the outfield, probably like Peter Pan cause he can fly and he'll just catch everything. Um, and obviously you still want the really fast guys. Um, and you probably want some guys who have some athleticism and can hit the ball um, because we're not just going to be walking around the bases, um, which I still think is the smart approach, but fans might be, (laughs) it might not be so fun to watch. (laughs) Major league baseball might step in at a certain point and ban mice from playing, which would just be cruel, but they might. Um, I'd have to think about it. Who, who is actually like athletic and, and we think can actually like hit the ball really well. Well, I figure Lincoln Gannon would probably form your, middle of the lineup uh, you gotta, i would think they have to be in there link's gotta be the mike trout of that like human group at least and then uh gannon's probably your, your adam dunn type <laughs> yeah i think that's gotta be the way to go um ideally again probably have some magic people oh, get some um, gorons <laughs> get all oh, gorons for sure they roll you know. around the bases too <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, we we forgetting anyone? Probably don't want any Zoras. They're they're probably not. Probably not ideal for this scenario. But I, I think Gorons are good. Um, you'll never have a catcher try to block the plate on a Goron. So anytime he's coming home, he's scoring for sure. Yeah, <laughs> that is that's definitely true. You don't want to don't want to get in the way of one of those guys. Uh, even with the new rules, they, they probably won't care. <laughs> Just knock out the catcher <laughs> and deal with the repercussions. Yeah, I think that's the move. Yeah, all right, sounds good. I, I like this crew. Uh, a little bit Zelda heavy, but I kind of expected that too. Uh, and then we got a few Disney stars in there as well. Uh, and, and the magic will certainly help. Uh, we might have to ban magic from baseball, though. Uh, I don't know. I mean, there's no rules against it right now, so I, I feel comfortable rolling them out there. We can we can do some real good sign stealing with magic too. Oh man, you really could. You don't even need trash cans. Nope, not even a little bit. You could uh, find someone who does telepathy, and then boom, there's no, there's no buzzers, there's no trash cans. You just send it right to their brain. Yep, pull it from the brain, send it to the hitter. All right, that's it. That's our show. Uh, thanks so much to Derek Cardi for coming on. And would you like to plug things before you go? I mean, it's mostly just the bat. You know, if you're playing season long, go check out the bat over at Fangraphs. If you play DFS, definitely check it out at Roto Grinders. Um, and uh, follow me on Twitter at Derek Hardy. I'm usually talking about baseball and uh, sometimes arguing with dum dums. All right. Find Derek on Twitter, and I'll have everything in the show notes as well. Uh, for myself and Derek, thanks for listening to Juiced Balls. Juiced Balls is filmed in front of a live studio audience. 
Support for the program comes from the Baseball A-Team community on Patreon.com. Become a patron at patreon.com slash baseball A-Team. Juice Balls is looking for a producer, show music, and conceptual ideas. Reach out on Twitter at Baseball A-Team or via the Baseball A-Team community on Discord.